welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited you're here today to hear from my amazing guest, Allie Worthington. Allie just released a new book called The Year of Living Happy. Allie believes that happiness is a choice, and it's possible to be happy every day despite the hurdles and obstacles our day-to-day throws at us, and Allie shares practical ways that we can live a happier life. She's an entrepreneur, a speaker, and she's a mom more than anything, and so we're going to talk about her motherhood journey and how she has chosen happiness all along the way and how she's helping her kids to choose happiness. Sometimes the bumps and bruises of life can get us down and we kind of struggle in the midst of that wondering, well, how can I be happy with this going on or that going on? And our kids feel the same way. And so we're going to chat about that. She is so insightful. I loved hearing from her and I've been a longtime fan and I can't wait for you to hear from her as well. So let's get to it with Allie Worthington. All right. I'm thrilled to be chatting with Allie Worthington today. Hey, Allie. Hi. Is Allie your actual name or is it short for anything? It's Allison, but the only person that calls me Allison is my mom when I'm in, tr- in trouble and my mother-in-law because she just thinks it sounds pretty. Oh, okay. But not because you're in trouble with your mother-in-law. No, not no, because okay. I'm in trouble. I would imagine if I was in trouble with my mother-in-law, I just wouldn't hear from her at all. <laughs> she would just straight up freeze you out. Oh, man. In-laws. Our in-laws fun sometimes. And even if you love them, there was like a really rude awakening that my way and my family's way was not the only way when I got married. And I'm like, what? You don't cook pasta this way or you don't, you know, clean like this or like, it just shocked me that there's other normals out there. Did you find that? (laughs) I had to really up my game. One of my girlfriends said to me when I was, I must've been in the first year of marriage. She said, yeah, my mother-in-law's coming in town. So I'm bleaching the baseboards. And I said, what's a baseboard? You don't really get down low to see how dirty they really are. It's fine. I know. You know, it's fine. And, you know, once once you have a couple of kids, you clean everything with baby wipes anyway. I still do. Well, and it's a great thing to hand them to get them to incorporate helping you in chores and everything because they can't hurt anything with baby wipes. But the cleaner, as soon as my three-year-old, like, snatches the cleaner from me, it's just over. And I'm like, shoot, but baby wipes, those are safe. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, where am I speaking to you from today, Allie? Uh, my husband and I and all of our boys, we live outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. So you're a boy mom. I am too. How many boys do you have and what ages? We, we have five boys. Oh, man, you beat me. I have three. Well, <laughs> oh, three's, three's a ton. Well, everyone asks me the same questions. Um, did you have them individually? Yes. Did okay. you Did you birth them all? Yes. Were any twins? No. Then they always ask, do you know what caused that? Obviously, yes. <laughs> um, the, the baby, we still call him a baby, but he's a little bit older. The baby's 10. So we have a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 17-year-old, and 20-year-old who is in his second year of college. You're not old enough to have a 20-year-old. I'm looking at your picture right this second. That's impossible. That is a lot of um, that's a lot of Photoshop on Instagram, <laughs> a lot of Instagram filters 
Bless them. Bless them. That is so amazing. Well, I'm excited to chat with you. I love chatting with moms a season beyond where I am. My kids are eight, six, and three currently, all boys as well. And I just really believe what you do when your kids are young are setting up the relationships, the modeling, the ideas, the communication for when they're older. And it's it's hard to jump in to develop those things once they're already you know, struggling with the teenage things or kind of freezing you out again, you know. And so I just love chatting with moms like you. So thanks for coming on today. So I want to know a little bit more about your background, Allie. Can you let people know that aren't familiar with you a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Funny story with how I got to where I am today. (laughs) So I am an author and speaker and business coach. I was a stay-at-home mom for 12 years. Really? And my husband um, had a job where he would turn around hospitals and hospital laboratories. So we we moved for the first 12 years of marriage every two or three years. So each of my five boys was born in a different city or state. So my 20s were just, it's just a blur of babies and nursing and unpacking boxes. And then in 2007, we were over leveraged in real estate. His job came to an end. We ended up losing our house in foreclosure, filing bankruptcy, losing everything, having to move in with my grandfather for a period of time while my husband was looking for another job. And that's when I started Googling how to make money on the internet because I wanted to provide some sort of income. And so I would drive to a McDonald's Playland every day with my youngest baby on, on my lap and his big brother's playing in the ball pit. And I would just Google, using their free Wi-Fi, buying French fries all the time to cover it, um, how how to get started. So I started an online magazine and an event company, which turned into books, which turned into speaking. And now that I've built and sold some different companies, business coaching. So it's a crazy journey to how I got here. I never could have imagined it. My my husband, when we were engaged, he, he was asking me, you know, my plans and my dreams. And I said, I'd really just like to be a stay-at-home mom. That's all mm-hmm. I've ever wanted to do. And he said, oh, that's fine, but just make sure you have hobbies so you don't ever get bored. You know, make sure that you're investing in yourself. Because he saw his mom through the years kind of lose herself in, in the parenting process. And so now when I come to him and go, hey, I have to go out of town next week, I'll go, hey, at least I have a hobby. You know, and it's, it's really funny. But in the past five years, what happened about six years ago is we knew with both of us having big jobs, the kids were going to suffer. And so through a lot of kind of wrestling back and forth over what we should do, he decided to leave his job and retire. And now he's the primary home parent. So he's the stay home dad where I'm working. So even though I may travel some, I have an office in our home. So I'm working, you know, in one of the bedrooms that I've turned into an office. And it's funny, my 12 year old recently said to me, he referred to me as a, as a stay home mom. And I was like, well, buddy, I, I do travel a lot and I have an office and like, I feel guilty because I feel like I work all the time. <laughs> he said, yeah, but you're home, so you're a stay-home mom. Okay. So it's just so Winning. funny when when we hear our kids say these things, what, what our kids think of what we do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the fact that, you know, to them, the fact that you're around is awesome and, and great and fulfilling that for them, then great. <laughs> I love it. I feel like I have the best of both worlds. That's incredible. So we're going to talk a lot about happiness, and your new book is all about happiness, but let's go back to that time where you did lose everything, and 
and in terms of everything, we're talking about materially and financially um, and having to move in with your grandfather. And by all intents and purposes, that had to be a very stressful time and a time where nobody would blame you for feeling unhappy. Can you tell me about the emotions you felt during that time and was happiness a priority and how did you find it during that particular challenge? I think because things were were so intense and so bad in that season, I really just kind of disconnected with my feelings in that season and focused on being a good wife, making sure the kids weren't freaked out. You know, it's funny, the kids never even knew what happened because they were all kind of young until later and they read it in a book. Mm. Um, So I was focused on making sure everything was okay. So I would wake up in the morning and think, what good things can I focus on today? What ways can I love my family well? You know, how, how do I keep everyone okay to make sure things don't kind of just slide off the cliff? Hmm. And it wasn't until my husband got his next job and we moved into our home here in the Nashville area that I really was able to, to deal with that trauma of, of us losing everything and really had to go these are the emotions I felt and kind of wrestle through them, give myself some space to be really sad over it and give myself grace to heal. And then I was able to move on to the next season because we are going to have really, really hard seasons in life. And to pretend that, or to even say that we can be truly happy in the hard seasons is silly. Mm. What happiness is the fight for happiness is going, okay, I'm intentionally going to set my mindset to something Bad things may happen, but they're only for a season. And as soon as that season's over, I'm going to fight for my happiness with everything in me. And now as your kids are getting older, like you said, back then they didn't really understand what was going on as much. And I bet they were really surprised to realize, oh, is that why we moved in with Grandpa? Like, <laughs> Okay. But now that they're getting older and you're helping them to process emotions and get through challenges – what are you teaching them explicitly and what are you hoping to model for them in terms of when you are in that that space where it's okay to feel sad sometimes too? How are you helping them to walk through that in order to get to the other side of processing more challenging emotions? Sure. The, the most important thing is to teach our children that our emotions are okay. Mm-hmm. It's not bad to have a, a quote-unquote negative emotion. If we feel depressed, if we feel angry, if we if we feel sad, these are natural and normal things. We don't want to let our depression or our anger do things we'll regret, take actions we'll forget, regret. Just because we're angry or we're sad, we can't take them out on our brothers, for instance. Mm-hmm. But feeling a feeling is not wrong. Feeling a feeling is just because life is happening around us. So the first step is being aware of it, acknowledging it, knowing that it's okay, And then I like to remind my kids that everything is cyclical. There are seasons for things. Sometimes things look really bad right now, and they are really bad right now. But when you get a little life behind you, you realize that's going to end, and you're going to enter a new season, and that season is going to be better. There's ups and downs. But when our kids are young, when things are bad, things just seem like they're going to be bad forever. Hmm. So it's just a constant reminder that, Things are going to get better. They always do. That is life. And so much of happiness is just our resilience Mm -hmm. to go, you know, bad things may happen to me, but I'm going to come back stronger. Bad things may happen all around me, but I'm going to hold on to what's good and I'm going to decide to be positive. I'm going to decide to be happy in this situation. One really interesting thing that I talk to my teens about often is research. 
and I put a lot of little little bits of research in this in this latest book and lottery winners for instance you can win millions of dollars and after just a year or two researchers have found that those lottery winners are just as happy as they were before they won the lottery so we can look at things outside of us. We can say, oh, if I won the lottery or if I get my kids potty trained or when my kids go to school, I'll be happier. Generally, no matter what's going on around us, unless it's a season where things are just you know, really hard, generally we really are as happy as we make up our minds to be. If there's not anything else going on, like a depression, for instance, with my second son, I had postpartum depression. And you, know, you can't just decide to be happy when, when you're dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. So aside from things like that, you really can decide how happy you want to be. Right. And it has so much to do on what you focus on. And like you said, back yeah. in those days where it's just like, what can I focus on today? What can I do to add happiness to our life and make everything good? Do you ever feel like, though, you sometimes fall in the trap of, because I know this is true for me, if my kids are happy and my kids are doing okay and my husband's okay, then that's happiness. But sometimes it's to the detriment and expense of my own self and I'm not being cared for and I'm not on the list because I'm so busy taking care of everybody else. Do you ever face that? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book about it with Breaking Busy. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's especially hard with moms because we feel the responsibility of everyone on our shoulders all the time. Something happens when that little baby is put in our arms and we go, everything about this baby is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. What we need to do slowly through the years is kind of differentiate between the child and between us. So by the time they're a preschooler, by the time they go to school, you know, each of these milestones that our kids reach, we know subconsciously that's this person, this is me. And it's important to take care of our kids. It's important to make sure our kids are happy and everything's great. But it is just as important to take care of us because if we don't take care of ourselves as mothers and prioritize our own happiness, prioritize the things that fill us up, we, you know, we've all heard the phrase, we can't give from an empty cup. What happens is you have a mom who is secretly really angry, even with a smile on her face. Mm -hmm. There's feelings of bitterness and resentfulness that come up. And if we aren't healthy, if we aren't happy inside and taking care of us, no matter what our outer behavior shows, our kids and our family are going to know that we're not happy inside and it's going to create an unhappiness in our children. So taking care of ourselves, investing in our own happiness, making sure that we know, hey, these are the kids, this is me, some things I'm just going to do for me, that's often the best thing that we can do for the emotional health of our children. That is so powerful. And so what are those things for you that you found can do that? Well, when when the kids were little and they were constantly trying to either burn the house down or jump <laughs> off the roof, I would would just ask my husband, say, I need you to I need you to be on be in charge, watch them all. I'm gonna go take a bath so I don't scream at everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's something as simple as taking a bath. And now as my kids are getting older and it's it's I've moved from disciplinarian role to really coaching role with a lot of them. I have so much more freedom. I can go to the gym. I can do all, all sorts of things that I couldn't do when they were little because I can kind of take a break. Mm-hmm. How nice. But when, <laughs> when they were younger, I never had a chance to take a break because we were always moving town to town. Yeah. And 
there wasn't someone I could call to say, hey, can you come watch the baby for a little while while I catch my breath? Mm-hmm. And I remember going to visit my mother-in-law when I had a whole bunch of them under 10. And, and she was so happy making breakfast for everyone. And I said, I wanted to be a mom that was happy and in a good mood all the time and would wake up and make breakfast. But I'm grumpy and stressed out, and it doesn't look like this at all. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. And she said, oh, you're not doing anything wrong. I wasn't like this when I had little kids. <laughs> when they were toddlers and preschoolers, I was grumpy too. You have to, you know, you have to fight to feel happy around all that craziness. I'm happy right now because they're not all under my feet all at the same time. See? And so that was really yes. eye-opening for me. That is. And you're on for so many more hours. And we expect mm-hmm. that, you know, we should be able to be on for 12 hours Versus once your kids are in school and a little bit older and you're, you have to be on for, you know, a handful of hours, you know, if, if you even get that these days with activities and whatnot, it's just so different. And sometimes I feel jealous of my husband coming home from work in the evening and he only has to be on for two hours. And so sure, yeah. he doesn't, you know, lose his temper as quick as I feel like I do by the end of the day, but I've already parented for 10 hours. And so creating that space and awareness for oh, okay, if I can just, like, keep it cool and keep it together, even if I'm not, like, happily whistling while I'm flipping the pancakes for breakfast for dinner, <laughs> at least I'm not losing my mind, right? <laughs> yeah, and I I used to survive by, you know, going to women's groups during the morning, yeah. and I was in the best shape of my life when my kids were little because of the free childcare at the gym. Sure, some people so, don't even know that's an option. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> if for me to get away meant that I could put the kids in at the Wise Play Center for an hour, I would. I was all about it. That's that's really was survival mode for me back in those days. Sure, exactly. I love that. So yeah, self care looks a lot different depending upon your season, but it doesn't mean it can completely go by the wayside. It's not. Well, it can't because mm-hmm. it will direct the way we take care of ourselves directly affects the emotional state in the house and directly affects our children's happiness. Hey everyone, I want to thank our show sponsor today and that is HelloFresh. Have you ever struggled with putting meals on the table? Have you ever struggled with getting to the grocery store and having all the ingredients ready for dinner? That is where HelloFresh comes in clutch for your busiest weeks. HelloFresh sends you delicious, healthy meals with pre-measured ingredients an easy step-by-step recipe card so that you can put a healthy meal on the table in no time. I love using unique ingredients and it shows me exactly how to do it. And then I also get meal ideas for in the future as well. I have loved trying HelloFresh and I want you to give it a try as well. So if you go to hellofresh.com and use my code, Jessica, D-A-H, this is the beginning of my last name, Jessica, D-A-H, you could actually get $40 off your first trial. So that makes your first order of three meals 20 bucks. So it's worth a try. See how you like it. And I know that you will love HelloFresh for your busy weeks like I do. All right, let's get back to it with Allie. And so I would venture to say just as parenting evolves from your first to your third or your fifth now for you, Happiness also evolves as we gain life experience, as we gain perspective. How has happiness evolved either in your definition or how you see it or seek it in your life from, you know, let's say 10 or 20 years ago with your oldest son to now? I think happiness when they were little was really survival. Mm -hmm. And if I could get to the day with everyone asleep, And uh, who cared what the house looked like when you have five kids? 
But if I could get through the day and everyone was in their bed, I just felt such relief and happiness. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of navel gazing and thinking about my own emotions because I was just trying to get through with the kids. Yeah. Now, as the kids get a little bit older, as they go to preschool and then, you know, elementary school, that's when I think for most of us moms, we have the ability to go, how do I feel? You know, what what do I feel called to next? What is this next season of life when I have a little breathing room? And that for me is really exciting. As as the kids get older and we're the second one, the second oldest is a senior, so he'll be going off to college next year. With with each one that, that leaves the nest, it's it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's also really excited, exciting to see what's going to happen to their lives. But for my husband and I, it's another chance for us to go, okay, we're entering a new season. Mm. What are our dreams? What does this look like? You know, how do we, how do we reconnect any more? What are we, what do we feel called to in terms of career or in terms of hobby? It's a really fun, it's a really fun time for us because we get to learn about ourselves and about each other all over again. Um, and I never expected that. I, I kind of, when my kids were little, I kind of thought, well, when they get older, you know, teenagers come and teenagers are terrible and then they leave the house <laughs> and then what are you going to do? When really teenagers are amazing. Um, I, I, I used to dread the teenage years and I love the teenage years. Teenagers are the best, but not only are your kids great when they get older, but life, life feels really good too when we decide that we're going to invest in ourselves and invest in our happiness and make an intentional decision to make life great, mm. no matter what goes on around us. Yeah, that is so wise. And so now that you do have kids leaving the home and on the brink of leaving the home, that has got to be the weirdest thing to, to sit down at a dinner <laughs> and have, what are your kids missing? I can't even fathom what that's like. So maybe you can speak to that, but also now that you've had this space to reflect now that you are launching these kids out into the real world and you know you just hope you've done all the things that you were supposed to do or you wanted to do while they were under your roof are there certain things you are super super glad that you did and were intentional about when they were home and then upon reflection is there anything that you were kind of scrambling to cram in or wishing that you had done more of now that you are where you are well, here's what, one thing that's funny. I don't wish I did anything different, but it's funny now that my oldest is out of the house. He will sometimes say, well, when I'm a parent, I'll do you know X, Y, and Z a little bit differently. Like he wishes we did more things as a big family, whether it's going mountain biking, which you couldn't pay me to go mountain bike, <laughs> going mountain biking or more vacations, things like that. He he plans to do a lot more of that with his family. And I kind of chuckle, like it's easy to say when you're not married with children about how easy it is to take your family on adventures, but that's a whole different story. (laughs) Um, What are the things that I'm really glad I did? My husband and I always made a huge effort to be with our kids. Hmm. So we never had a nanny. We never had a lot of sitters. We probably could have had more sitters and gone on more dates through the years, to be honest. But we always prioritized family time, even if family time is everyone sitting on the couch and watching SpongeBob. Yeah, that was a huge priority. We always, everyone always snuggled up together, and and just all the kids felt loved. Hmm. My my goal with the kids is they would grow to feel love and be able to 
give love to other people because the ability to, in a healthy way to give and receive love in the world is so important. So love was the one thing. The other thing was personal responsibility. I want my boys to be the kind of boys who don't blame other people for what, for their actions. I want them to take responsibility in the world. And I never had any luck really getting them to do chores when they were little. It wasn't until school age, but as soon as you hit school age, you vacuum, you unload the dishwasher, you start loading the dishwasher. You know, when you hit middle school, you start mowing. My husband and I haven't loaded or unloaded the dishwasher in 15 years. Oh, now it's wow. not done well. <laughs> and you know, we, we buy like the plastic tumblers off Amazon as opposed to lovely breakable glasses. But for us, it's really important. You know, one boy takes the dog out twice a day. One boy feeds the dog. One boy does loads. One boy unloads the dishwasher. One boy puts all the laundry away. One boy mows. And it's important for them to know that in life, you have to carry your own weight. And so they don't get an allowance if... If they want money for something, you know, we'll say something is $50, they'll come to us and say, I want this video game. And what we do is we go, okay, let us think of some chores that when you add it up together will be $50 because that's the real world. Mm -hmm. If we don't work, we don't eat. Mm -hmm. If And for the kids, if they don't work, they don't get a video game. So for me, I'm really glad that they were raised with such love and and knowing that they have to pull their own weight because, you know, you get out there in the world and – Nobody cares if you ask nicely. You've got to work for it. You do. And their roommates will thank you and their wife will thank you. And <laughs> it just is a trickle-down effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> Let's talk about your new book. You have a new book coming out. Yay. I do. Tell so me excited. about the book, how it came to be, and what it was like writing it. It is called The Year of Living Happy, Finding Connection and Contentment in a Crazy World. And it's such a funny story. I my, my last book was called Fierce Faith. It's a woman's guide to fighting fear, wrestling worry, and overcoming anxiety. And I wrote it in kind of this dark season of my husband having an illness and me learning how to crawl out of this pit of fear and worry that was on me. So I wrote different chapters about, you know, the, the fear of something happened to our children or the fear of betrayal and wrote battle plans for how to fight back. And, and it's a it's a pretty serious book. And after I finished the book, I felt like God kept telling me the word happy for my next book. And I thought, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. You know, to, I just came out of this dark season, mm. fighting fear and, and learning how to, you know, overcome worry. And then he put happy on me. So for a year, I started doing this thing on my website. If you go to my website, you can sign up for a free, a free email that comes out every Sunday called 52 Weeks to Happiness where I share a bit of research and just a really short action step. Each email is only three or four sentences long for something you can do that week to make yourself happier, really, really practical things. And the publisher came to me and said that they were interested in a gift book. And I said, great, let's write one on worry because I still have so much to say after my last one. So they went back and then came back to me and said, we've been reading your happy emails. I think you're supposed to write a book on happiness. And sure enough, because I had mm. known that God had kept putting that word on me, it was just confirmation. So I started, I started diving into this book to, to find out, you know, what are, what are these simple things that we can do every day that makes life so much happier? Because sometimes we think that 
building a life that is happier requires a lot of work or requires everything around us to be perfect. But most of the time, it's just changing our small little habits that can change so much for us and can bring us so much happiness. Hmm. Oh, I'm so excited to read it. It, You don't even have a copy out in print yet, so I haven't had my hands on it yet, but I'm really, really looking forward to it. And so especially coming out of a season of worry, anxiety, fear, how did your year of happy change you? And as you chose to focus on this for the purpose of writing the book, I'm sure it just illuminated new understanding in your life. What was that like? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's a great reminder, like I was talking about seasons before, it's a great reminder that even in our darkest seasons, God has more for us in the next season. Mm. And when we are in a dark season, it seems like it's never going to get better. It's like, well, we're like Eeyore, like this is my life now. Mm-hmm. But seasons come and go. The storms of life will come, but they will also go away. And it's important when we kind of take a breather and go, whew, that was terrible and that's over, to go intentionally say, I'm going to invest in my own happiness. I'm going to invest in my life. That was such a big eye-opening experience for me because sometimes when we go through a really difficult season, we almost feel guilty about being happy again. Mm. You know, maybe for me it was that my husband was so sick. For someone else it could be a divorce. For someone else it could be a child with an illness, you know, losing a job, losing a home, whatever it is. When things go terrible and we start going, okay, I'm going to invest in my happiness. I'm going to change my mindset and I'm going to do little things every day that's going to make me feel just a little bit happier every single day. We almost can feel guilty for it like it's selfish. Like there's all this pain and trouble in the world. Why, why, am, I, why am I doing, you know, investing in this? But like I said before, self-care isn't selfish. It's one of the most other-centered things that we can ever do because especially for a mom, our level of happiness will directly affect everyone around us. Yeah. And I think we should never be ashamed. And I hear some people speaking like they feel really blessed and really like things are going really well. And when they are aware of the struggles around them, they feel a little bit guilty almost that things are happy in their own home and in their own life and things are going well. But I think when things are in a season where you're acknowledging all the happiness and and cultivating more happiness – it's just, it can spill over to impact and influence and lighten the burden of those that are struggling. So hopefully, you know, it can kind of turn the tables for them too. I don't think there should ever be a role for guilt, but do you ever hear that or see that? Oh, absolutely. And one thing that's, that I found really fascinating with research is our emotions with other people are super contagious. So even in our friend group, in our families, whatever emotion we are feeling it spreads like a virus, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. But the same thing happens on social media. So our emotions that we are feeling can spread to our social media friends by what we're posting. So if we are the type of person that are, we're posting something positive, we're posting something good, we're posting something uplifting, it is going to make other people feel good. But if we're always, you know, complaining or looking for the worst or, you know, any of those behaviors that any of us can fall into, honestly, that spreads on social media, too. So not only are we affecting our families, we're affecting our friends in real life, but we're affecting everyone that we're connected with on Facebook and Instagram and all those different social media accounts. It's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so then I have a question because I Mm -hmm. feel like the most 
engagement and conversation I have online with people is when I share something that's not going well in my life or sharing something like a messy house or just kind of commiserating a little bit. But I want to always do it in a way that is not like, woe is me or my life is terrible or yeah, motherhood's the worst or, you know, things like that. My hope is to be like, we're all in this together. We all have the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs and we don't need to love every aspect of motherhood to realize its value and its worth in things. And so how do you approach sharing authentically and vulnerably the things that are really challenging while still not wanting to put out that virus of negativity? Do you know what I mean? No, I, and I think the way you described it is perfect. Okay. And, and if you read, uh, there's not so much in in the year of living happy because there's a hundred short entries in the year of living happy. It's kind of, you know, you read a little bit every day and you kind of get your inspiration for the day. But in my other books in breaking busy and fierce faith, I go into all, all the details and all the hard parts and, and all the struggles. Mm -hmm. And I think when we, when we share our struggles, just in the same way that you did, we share our struggles to let other people go, you know what? Me too. I'm in that too, but we also share our struggles so we can share, here are the things that I did that brought me out of those struggles because I believe the most important stories that we can share with other people are here are the struggles. Here's what I learned in the struggle. And here's the, you know, two or three things that I did that got me to the other side because there's somebody who's right there with you, or there's somebody that's just a few steps behind you and they're going into that struggle. If we can share with other women, I've been there. I know what it's like. I found my way out. And here's a couple things you can do to find your way out too. That is life-changing. I think as, as sisters, we, we almost have the responsibility to do that for each other because most of us, no matter if we're rich or poor or young or old, most of us are living the same life. Mm. You know, you close the door, you have, you have, you know, misunderstandings with your spouse. One child says they hate the other child. One child is staying homesick. This is this is actually my life today. <laughs> um, you know, one child's happy as can be, and his brothers are annoyed with him because he's happy. Like, right. li- life is difficult. And no matter how happy we look on social media or how perfect or, you know, professional photos that we see on Instagram, which just annoys me to death, <laughs> no matter what image we put out, we're all kind of living the same lives behind the scenes and we're all having the same feelings behind the scenes. So when we can share our stories and share what we learned and, and um, how, how we took our lives to the next level, that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That really does help. Um, cause I do kind of waver on that fence sometimes of, of what to share and how to share it. Um, and especially as somebody that has a mom's podcast, I never want to seem like I'm bashing motherhood cause you know, on, on one side, I have a podcast that celebrates motherhood, and but then if I'm not expressing that view all the time because, hello, motherhood is dynamic, and it's impossible to like all the things all the time. Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. There is nothing better than motherhood. Right. Being a mother is the greatest joy of my life. There's nothing could ever compare to the happiness and the joy that being a mom brings to me. However, on a daily basis – I don't know if I necessarily sit around and go, I am so happy to be a mom because on a daily basis, I'm just trying to get the boys to stop arguing or to do their homework or to not play the tuba in the living room on a daily (laughs) basis. It's not necessarily fun. And I am not skipping through the house, loving being a mom. No, on a daily basis, it wears you down. Mm -hmm. But the, the main story of our motherhood 
the the years of love and years of work with our children, it is the greatest joy we'll we'll ever know. But it doesn't necessarily feel that great in the minute, and that's okay. Mm, That's a great way to put it. Absolutely. That's exactly, exactly how I feel. And so for a mom listening that feels like she's in a season where she's struggling to find happiness, what have you heard from other people? What have you experienced yourself that are some barriers to happiness for people? And then maybe just a tangible takeaway in terms of and how to rise strong after that feeling. Yeah, so much of our happiness has to do with our thought life. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I've been in difficult seasons of life, especially when my husband was so sick, I would say things, you know, just in my thoughts to myself all the time, like things are never going to get better. Why does it have to be so hard? You know, this this is how life is now. Things are terrible. This is the stuff that would go through my head all the time. And what happened is I became the false prophet of my own future doom. Wow. Because I'm in my head all the time telling myself, that I don't want things to be this way anymore. Things are too hard. I can't do this. And when I learned to renew my thoughts, to really step back and examine the stuff that was going through my head anymore and go, wait a minute, that thing that just went through my head, is that true? Or is that how I feel right now? And so I would discipline myself to really question my thoughts. And when I'm stressed, when I'm sad, when things are hard, probably 80% of the thoughts that go through my head are not positive. And so I would have to just spend a lot of time, you know, just thinking, well, that thing that I just said, is that is that realistic or are those my emotions speaking? And then I would replace it with truth. Hmm. You know, these are the things that I know to be true, whether it's things that I know to be true about life in general, about my family, the truths from scripture, I can replace negative thinking, which is tends to be based on my emotions and what's going on around me with solid truth. And it seems really awkward and time consuming and just weird at first. But before you know it, your thoughts will turn from mainly negative and kind of brooding on things and beating yourself up to positive. And I was able to get to a point where instead of telling myself, you know, I can't believe I have to do this, I would say, I'm so glad I get to do this. You know, whether it's, you know, getting up at 6 a.m. to take the boys to a cross-country meet instead of, I can't believe I have to get up at 6 a.m. This is so ridiculous. I'm so blessed to have these boys. I'm so happy that they're physically able to run. I'm so happy that, you know, we have money to put gas in the car to get there and really fight for my happiness. That's, for me, what it looks like on a daily basis to control my thoughts, to give myself a little pushback on my own bad mental habits and to look for the good and really fight for it and to fight for gratefulness in myself and in my kids. One thing that I do with each boy at the end of every day, when I tuck them in, I give them a blessing, but I ask them for three wins. So when you look at your children and you say, what are three things you're grateful for? Especially if you have boys, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. (laughs) So I would say, what are your three wins for the day, which kind of turned into gratefulness? So it's three things that they're happy about. So the last thing that's on their mind before they go to sleep are positive things, things Mm. that they're grateful for. And that trained me to do it. And so it's my own sneaky way of disciplining myself and instilling the discipline of gratitude in my kids. That's been, that's been life changing for all of us. I love how you pointed out that happiness is tied to gratefulness. And so if you're not feeling abundantly happy right now, start with gratefulness. Because if you can identify three things that you are simply grateful for, and it can be as simple as 
a comfy bed to lay in or a dinner that you prepared or even just that the sun can shine tomorrow, right? Yeah. Start there. And if you're in that train of thought, and I think ending your day with that and starting your day with that is the best possible way to get on a positive trajectory towards happiness if you're not feeling it today, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It really, it's, it's so simple, but it changes everything. Sometimes we think that we really have to change everything about our lives and work really hard to change, but normally it's just our little tiny, small habits Mm. that once we adjust them a little bit can bring the greatest results. Oh, yes, yes. I could not agree more. Okay. I just want to talk to you forever, but we can't do that. (laughs) But I am so excited for people to check out this new book. Where can people find it? And then mention the titles of your other books as well, just so people who love you now can go find those. Oh yeah. Um, the first book is the year of living happy and it is, I'm so thrilled to say on the shelf at your local target, which is great. So if you're, if you go to target this week, even just to get out of the house, please pick it up. But it's also available at Lifeway and Amazon, all the other stores. And then if busyness is something that's an issue for you, I have a book called Breaking Busy. I'm kind of like the show, but not, which is really hilarious. (laughs) And then um, for Fear, Anxiety, and Worry, I have a book called Fierce Faith. And I'd love for you to check that out as well. Amazing. Oh, Allie. So where can people find you online if they just love you? Oh, well, thank you. Um, I'm AllieWorthington.com, and then I have a podcast that's The Allie Worthington Show. I don't listen yet. Okay, I need to add this. I need to add this immediately. The thing about podcasts is <laughs> it's, it's new. It's new. Oh. I just started it. So okay. I will, I'll interview a guest, and then, then for the second part of the show, people will send in questions. So I do coaching time, so I'll answer a question about life or about faith or about business at the end. So it's a lot of fun. I love that premise. Okay, I'm going to check it out. I'm glad I'm not that behind on the bandwagon then. (laughs) But I just love podcasts because it's free. It's easy. It's accessible. You can multitask while you're doing it. And it's shorter than audiobooks. So it's just little snippets of inspiration and truth and anything you're interested in. And so I just love finding out about new podcasts. So I'm adding you to That's my great. queue, Allie. And I love yours. I love what you do. It's such a such a great blessing for moms. Oh, thanks. Well, I always ask my guests just one final question, Allie, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Not to worry so much. That hmm. if you love the kids and you keep your priorities in line, everything's going to be just fine. That everything that you are going to worry about is going to be just fine. And not to not to rob today's happiness by worrying about potential things that could happen in the future. Don't become a false prophet of your future doom. That's what I wrote. Yeah. That's what you said in this episode. Oh, Allie, thank you so much for taking the time to share about your motherhood journey, about these books. I just am so wholeheartedly behind this mission of finding more joy, happiness, and gratefulness in your life. And I just love what you're doing. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Didn't you just fall in love with Allie? And don't you just want to read all of her books? I hope you will pick up her new book, The Year of Living Happy. You can order it anywhere that she mentioned, but I'll have links over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com so you can pick up that book or her other books, Fierce Faith. I mean, she's just so talented in her writing. She's so well-spoken, so wise. And like I've said many times on the podcast, 
I value mothers who are a season beyond where I am so very much. Their perspective is invaluable to me. And I love how she said she wouldn't have done anything differently. Um, And there's always day-to-day things that we can beat ourselves up about. I'm sure she has been in that space as well. But on the whole, she led with love. And I bet there are so many of you listening that are leading with love. But you're thinking about the small ways in which you messed up today or lost your temper in a moment or things like that. Leading with love is really the root of it all. It's really the root of excellent, excellent motherhood. And I bet you're doing a great, great job. If you aren't already following me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up this Friday, I have a really weird title for you. Okay, are you ready? I'm going to be sharing about what I learned about motherhood from professional athletes. (laughs) Yes, we're going to talk sports on the Extraordinary Moms podcast. Yes, I'm not well-versed in sports speak, but there have been some things that I have learned from hearing interviews from various professional athletes that I have really applied these principles to excellence in motherhood. And I can't wait to share with you what I have learned and maybe what you can take away to be more excellent in your motherhood as well. Thanks for tuning in the podcast every day. We have hit 2 million downloads, which just blows my mind. I'm so, so grateful. The show would literally not exist without you. So thank you so much for your support and for sharing and tagging me. Seeing you share the show warms my heart, makes my day, and makes me feel so much more connected to the people out there listening. So thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in the podcast today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.